0: Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. My name is Bernie Blaukamp. I have been uh, on staff here at Resurrection Life Church since uh, July 1st, 1990. So it's been 25 years. It'll be 26 in a couple months. Um, I uh, was raised in a Christian home, did not really understand or know or really serve the Lord until I was 22. Um, went to Christian school and all that, but uh, never really never really walked in it until I was 22. And that's when I, I made Jesus Lord of my life and I received uh, salvation at, at 22. And uh, shortly thereafter, the Lord um, really made it clear to me that uh, he wanted me to work for him in his local church. And so I, um, at 28, took about six years to get that all through my head, but at 28, I left, uh, left my career. I was a CPA. I left my career and I, I uh, joined uh, the staff here at Resurrection Life Church. And uh, I currently, um, effective, uh, currently, I oversee the Wednesday night services. That's one of my uh, responsibilities. I am uh, one of the church planters that has helped plant 25 churches over the last 20, almost 26 years, and I'm involved in about 30 countries around the world in missions works and uh, oversee all of our missions outreaches uh, for the church, and I also oversee the um, administration and finance for the the ministry here locally, so that's kind of what's on my my docket, and I'm also the, um, I'm a grandfather, just became a grandfather, and it's like, yeah, I'm a grandpa. I have a baby girl, uh, granddaughter, and I have five sons, two of whom are married, and uh, both of them are, are serving here in the ministry also. One of them oversees the 180 room, and the other one oversees um, access, which is the college ministry. So, yeah, so on the other ones, I got one still in high school, and and one in college and one that works uh, works um, outside the outside the home too so but it's um, it's a privilege to be here tonight for the next six weeks we're going to be talking about that God wants you well okay that's the title of the class God wants you well um, it's not just about healing it's about health it's about that not God doesn't want to just heal you he wants you to to be in health. And uh, there's, a, there's a difference between healing and health. Healing is what happens when you lose your health and you need to get back to health, then healing happens. Health is what happens when you stay healthy. And uh, it's like kind of like the difference between miracles and blessing. Blessing is, is what God pours out and blessing is just being blessed. Miracles are what happens when You uh, have a huge lack and you need God uh, to somehow suspend the natural forces to uh, cause a miracle to take place to receive his blessing. So it's not either or, it's both. Um, God wants to do miracles and he wants to bless you. God wants you to do healings and he wants us to be in health. Um, There's not a real, um, there's no biblical basis for the thought that somehow God makes people sick. It's just nowhere in the Bible. Um, if you look at Jesus' interactions, um, you can really get to the point where you can see every time you look at Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you need to look at Jesus and, and think in your, in your mind, you need to think every time I see Jesus doing something, that is the will of God. Because Jesus said, I only do the things I see my Father do. I only say that. Things I hear my father say. So every single thing that Jesus did on the earth in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, everything he did was the will of the Father, because he was perfect. He never sinned, and he always did God's will on the earth. So every time Jesus ran across a sick person, how did he interact with that sick person? I'm looking for input here. Somebody, well, how did Jesus interact? He healed them. Did he ask what else? He said for this this burden that lo the devil has kept her bound this eighteen years. That's what you're referring to. He would ask them questions. That's the last thing I was looking for. Thank you. Um, he would ask them questions like, do you want to be well? Remember the man at the, gate, at the pool of Siloam? He'd been laying there for 38 years. And Jesus said, do you want to be well? And I could just about imagine if you walked up to someone and they were, you know, they'd been laying on a mat as a, as a beggar for 38 years and you walk up to him and say, do you want to be well? You know what our society, someone might say, well, duh, right? That's a dumb question. Of course I want to be well. But it, it, it needs to be asked because if there, there are times when a person's condition becomes so familiar that it becomes their identity. Okay? So it, it beg, it, it, it's an example of Jesus' perception and that man had a coat. You realize that man had a coat and it was called the beggar's coat. And when they wore that coat, then all the people around knew that they were supposed to give that person money. So his handicap was his meal ticket. So Jesus, what Jesus was saying to him was, do you want to be well? Do you want enough to be well that you're willing to give up your meal ticket? Do you want it bad enough to give up your meal ticket? Are you, is it you want to be well bad enough? You, you, want to, you have a strong enough desire to be well that you're willing to throw away your coat and follow me. And so I'm getting ahead of myself, but Jesus' interaction with people that were dealing with sickness reveals God's will. And I think anybody who is a, a serious Bible scholar, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see... That every time Jesus interacted with a person that was ill or suffering from an illness or dealing with a sickness, every single time, if they were willing and if they wanted to, he healed them. Every single time. This wasn't 75%. It wasn't 90%. It wasn't even 99.9. Every single time. There's, there's many scriptures that talk, and I'll read them a bunch of them in a minute, that say, and he healed them all, and all that came to him were healed. See, there's many scriptures that talk about Jesus, and they say, and he healed them all. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are 25 different individuals that were healed. Okay, we're not talking about the masses. We're not talking about all the other things. But in in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, come on up and find a seat here. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there were 25 different individuals that, that received their healing. 19 of those, he specifically asked them, what do you want, or do you want to be well, or what, how, what, how can I help you? Basically, he asked them. And then they would answer, and he would say something like, your faith has healed you, or be it unto you as you have believed. In other words, he put some measure of accountability upon them for them desiring and reaching out and reaching out and and touching, like the woman who reached out and touched him, the hem of his garment. Remember that? He was walking through the crowd. The woman reached out and touched the hem of his garment, and he said, your faith has healed you, he said to her. Just, Just that clear. Well, How's that work? How did her faith heal her? It wasn't just her faith. It was her faith in his ability, his power to heal. It wasn't just her faith. There's no such thing as a faith healer. It's only faith in the healer because Jesus is the healer. Okay? So what do we hope to accomplish in these six weeks? Okay? In the six weeks, are going to go fast because I've only got about 30 minutes left, and uh, we're going to introduce the three basic truths um, that, I, that I've founded the last 20-some years upon. We're going to talk about those, and uh, we're going to talk about the, just the reality that God wants us well. God does not make us sick to teach us anything. It's not a matter of uh, sickness being God's will, because sickness is not God's will for us. There's much on the earth that is not God's will. And someone says, well, if it's not God's will, how come it's happening? Well, it's God's will that all men would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it says in Timothy, but yet everybody's not saved. See, just because it's God's will does not mean it's automatically going to happen. Think about the Lord's prayer. He says, we should pray, your will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. If God's will was automatic, why did Jesus tell us to pray, Lord, let your will be done? if it was automatically going to be done every single time. So everything that happens on the earth is not automatically, oh, that's God's will. No, there's a lot of things on the earth that are not God's will. There is a devil, he is bad, and uh, there's a lot of uh, things that happen because of that. There is sin in the world, people do crazy things, and um, that's the source of evil in the earth. So healing is part of God's character, it's part of who he is. In the Old Testament, there's seven compound names of God. Jehovah is the first part, and there are seven things he reveals himself as in the Old Testament. Anybody ever heard of Jehovah Jireh? That is the Lord our provider, or the one who sees ahead of time and makes provision. How about Jehovah Nissi? That's the Lord our victory, or the Lord our banner of victory. Okay, how about Jehovah Shalom? That's the Lord our peace, right? Right? Jehovah Shama, the Lord who's there, right? There's Jehovah Rohi, that is the Lord our shepherd. Remember Psalm 23? That's the revelation. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd, the one who cares for us and provides for us. And then there's Jehovah Rapha. What is Jehovah Rapha, somebody? The Lord our healer, the Lord our physician, He is the Lord, our physician. That's revealed in Exodus 15, 26. It says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what's right in his sight, give ear to his command and keep his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which have been brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. That is where, in the the Hebrew, that is, for I am Jehovah Rapha. He identifies himself as the one who heals them. It's part of God's character. See, John 10.10 10 says the thief comes to what? Steal. Kill, steal, and destroy, right? But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly or live it to the fullest. See, six, how about James 1.16? Anybody know what James 1.16 says? It says, do not be deceived. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift. Anybody think sickness is good and perfect? No. Sickness, if you've ever had a cold, it's not good and perfect, right? Or worse, it's not good and perfect. And uh, every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven, from God. Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, all my soul. All that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our sins, who heals all of our diseases, who redeems our life from destruction, who crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so your youth is renewed like the eagle. That's one since I turned 50. I stand on that one all the time, right? That was a few years ago. But, yet their youth is renewed like the eagles, okay? So it's God's will, it's God's will for you to be well. Sickness does not come from God. There was three things that I learned in a very traumatic time in my life. In many years ago, this is 1994, it was March the 19th, 1994, so 22 years ago plus, my uh, my father, uh, we were at my mother's birthday party, and my father fell over. Just literally, just he was walking from the kitchen to the living room, and my dad just fell over. He was uh, 71 years old at the time, and he just literally just went, Whoo, just fell over, and he immediately um, he vomited, and he um, had no control over anything else. so It was a huge mess and he started going into convulsions. So we're like, oh my, what's going on? Call the ambulance. Come to find out he had a massive stroke and he was termed brain dead. And um, we had uh, a lot of decisions to make and they they said basically my father would never walk again, he'd never talk again. They stabilized him, they put things in his brain, they drained his brain from all the fluid. And um, I just had a, Situation where I had been reading *Christ the Healer*. It's a book by F. F. Bosworth, written in the 1800s, and I had just been reading that book, and I had just filled up my bucket, if you want to call it that, with faith for healing. And then my dad has this situation, and so I just uh, I made a decision at that point: I'm not going to accept what they say, and I. St- I stayed there. All my family left. My wife left because we had little children at the time. So she left, took the kids home. My mom left. My brothers and sisters left. And I was left up there by myself with my dad and he wasn't, he was unconscious. He had all tubes in him. They had, you know, drilled a hole through the top of his head and relieved the pressure and they were draining fluid off. And he was in a, he was in a very bad way. They basically just said, he's, he's gone. He's, it's hopeless. It's never going to get better. And, um, I stayed up there with him for 36 hours and just sat there with him and I, I began just speaking the word over him. Just me, all by myself, all uh, 30 years old. I just stayed up there and spoke the word over him and I continued to speak the word over him and I just prayed and I stayed up there and stayed up there. They'd come up and I'd sleep for an hour and then I'd stay up there. I stayed up there for four days straight. And they did another surgery, and then they said, well, he's a little bit better. And so now we're a week out, and the doctors are like, you know, it's not any better. He's not going to get better. So what we made a decision with my mother and myself that we were going to play healing scriptures in his room 24 hours a day. One of us was going to be there 24 hours a day, and we were going to not allow anybody to to talk about him dying in the room. Amen. We just said, nobody can talk about him dying in the room because he, he can hear, I believe that people in a coma can hear you. So I said, we're not going to talk about him dying. We're going to talk about him living. And we just, that's what we did. And it took 21 days of that. We literally stayed 24 hours a day around the clock with him. And we had healing scriptures going 24, we had them out, out loud on a boom box. Now that tells you how long ago it was. <laughs> Okay, it wasn't a phone, it was a boom box, okay? And we just played that around the clock, and we just took shifts with me and my mom and my sisters. And 21 days later, they took him out of there, and they disconnect. He was on 13 life support systems at the time, different tubes and monitors and everything, unbelievable. They put him into a nursing home on April, whatever it was, 21 days later, They put him in a nursing home, and then on August 6th, he came home, and on November 10, he got his driver's license back, okay? He actually got his driver's license back, and he lost a bunch of weight in the process, you know, because he had been 280 pounds, and he was kind of a big guy, and um, he got lost a lot of weight, started eating healthy. He, um, he got, you know, a lot of great things happened. And um, about four years later, he was diagnosed with cancer. So I was just like, hey, Dad, no big deal. Heck, you were dead. <laughs> this is easy. Cancer's easy compared to you were already brain dead, you know. Let's just take care of this thing. And here's the, here's the I'm, I'm not going to, I wish I had a better end of the story. He didn't embrace it. He said, no, I've lived a good life. I'm ready to go home. I said, are you joking? My kids need a grandpa. And he says, I just don't know. I'm tired. I said, tired? You were sleeping the last time when we all busted our tails to get you better. And uh, he, he just never grabbed a hold of it. And he died about three months later. But you know what, in that, he lived for a total, after, after God raised him up, he lived three and a half more years. And in that three and a half years, all of our family relationships were restored. I ended up leading the entire family in communion. And we all forgave each other, and we all had communion together. And family relationships were all, I mean, all my brothers and sisters accepted the Lord they all had communion together, all of us together, all their kids, everybody, we all gathered around, we had communion together. So if for no other reason other than that, I'm just really thankful for those three and a half years. We had, he had a gift of three and a half more years of life that he didn't think he had. And we had a gift of three and a half more years with him that we were, everybody was sure was not gonna happen. And uh, that was a huge gift. But I learned a lot in that process. And in the, in, the, in the throes of that thing, when it was just starting, the Lord spoke something very clear to me. And it was, it was this simple. He said, if someone can know these three things, they can be healed of anything. And the God had, and this was in the middle of those four days where I wasn't eating and I was just staying up all night. And it was just, it was crazy. I, you know, they all just kind of went together after a while. When you're in the hospital and going through crisis... You lose track of what day it is. You don't even know what time it is, whether it's morning or night. You know, you're just always on. And that's kind of where, the way it was. In the middle of all that, God spoke to me very clearly. He said, if someone knows these three things, they can be healed of anything. And that's what we're going to go over over the next six weeks is these three things. And they're, they're, they're principles. And that is, the first one is God is not making me sick. God is not the source of this problem. And Because if you really believe that God is the one that's making you sick, how can you fight against it? You can't, right? You'll just accept it. See, so God is not the author of sickness. That has to be established. And I know a lot of people believe otherwise and people teach otherwise, oh, God will break your leg just to show you can. No, he won't. He is not an abusive father, okay? God is good, and God is the healer. He's not the one that makes us sick. So God is not the one making me sick. That's the first thing. Number two is, it is not God's will for me to be sick. In other words, God wants me well. And that's no re- Don't fight that. Seriously. I know sometimes they think, well, if it's God's will, how come I'm not well yet? Don't fight it. You need to realize we all need to realize that just because we aren't walking in the whole truth doesn't mean it's not truth, right? Because there's a lot of truth that's truth even if it's not necessarily all manifested in your life right now, right? Because it's God's will for all of our family to be saved even if they're all not saved yet. But it's still truth that God wants them, that, God, that Christ died for them, that the blood of Jesus is enough for them to be saved. It's still true. Whether it's true in our lives, 100% manifested or not, it's still true. So, the second point is it's not God's will for me to be sick. And the third one is the one that people have a hard time with, and that is this I can do something about my situation. I am not a victim. And, and that's a hard one. A lot of times people look at they, people get mad. Oh, I had some people get mad at me over this one. And it's not, a, I'm not, I'm not trying to be in, insensitive but, or, or not blaming anyone because there's no one to blame. If you want to get mad at somebody, get mad at the devil, okay? That's the only one that deserves your anger is the, is the enemy, is Satan. I can do something about my situation because if you believe that you can't do anything about your situation, then you are hopeless, okay? And God has not sent us here to be hopeless. We have hope Christ is in you, the hope of glory. We have hope. See, the hope is, I can do something about this thing. I am not a victim. I have authority. Jesus died for me. I can can do this. By the grace of God, we can overcome this thing. See, that is a truth that needs to be founded completely upon the Word of God, and that's where we're going to spend a lot of our time. Not that you can earn your healing, nothing like that. Healing is already purchased. Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. It's already purchased. Healing is in the covenant. It's already in the atonement. It's already part of the salvation package. The word salvation is the word sozo, S-O-Z-O, okay? And the word salvation means it means deliverance. It means salvation. It means peace. It means tranquility. It's all included in the word salvation, in the word sozo. So, when, when we talk about someone getting saved, we're really talking about them being sozoed. And to be sozoed is to be healed, delivered, made peaceful, and made tranquil. That sounds pretty good to me. And forgiven. You can't forget about forgiveness. But most of the time when people hear the word salvation, they only think die and go to heaven. Right? When I say the word salvation, most of us think die and go to heaven. Right? Salvation is die and go to heaven. But it's also live and be healed, live and have tranquil peace, live and be delivered. Because God is not just about pie in the sky. He's about pie now. He's, he's, he's made provision for us, not only for salvation, not only for heaven, but also for provision now, provision in this life, right? For the, not for the sweet by and by, but for the nasty here and now. It's that we need it here too. And that's what Sozo's all about. So what can we do about it? Jesus is the evidence that sickness does not come from God. John 14, 9 is real clear about this. He said, I only do the things I see my father do. I only say the things I hear my father say. John 5, 19 says, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He he can only do what he sees his father doing. That's the words of Jesus. He said, I can't do anything on my own. I can only do what I see my father doing. And what did Jesus do? He went around, went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the evil one. Acts 10, 38. That's the, that is the number one thing you can look at. You look at what did Jesus do? How did Jesus interact to sickness? And that's how we know what the, love, what the love of God requires and what the love of God does. So if we look at that, we look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. He went about everywhere preaching, teaching, and healing. That's what Jesus did. When he walked around the earth, that's what he did. He preached, he taught, and he healed. That's, that was the three things he did a lot, and he delivered other people from all the power of the enemy. So what, where does sickness come from then? Sickness, come, sickness is the perversion of health. Here's another another proof or evidence that God wants us well. How about the very fact that we are created with an autoimmune system? We have an immune system, right? AIDS stands for autoimmune deficiency syndrome, right? What happens when someone gets AIDS? AIDS. They die, but they don't die from AIDS. They die from some other disease, usually, because they don't have an immune system to fight off anything, right? The very fact that God designed humans with an immune system to fight off disease, germs, viruses, is proof enough that he wants you well. Because if you didn't have an immune system, you wouldn't live 30 days. you get sick because there's sickness everywhere. In this room, there's tons of sickness. Why uh, why aren't I concerned? Because I have an autoimmune system and no evil can come near me and no plague can come near my dwelling. That's why, that's why I'm not afraid, okay? See, because God gave us a great immune system and when you build up your immune system, you don't have to worry about it. You take fruits and vegetables and whole grains and lots of green and lots of water, right? Eat close to the ground, Lose that extra weight. Don't eat those sweet rolls. I learned all this in the last six months. (laughs) Six months ago, I had a heart attack, if you didn't know that. I fell over on December 27. I was 265 pounds. I had blood sugar of 270, triglycerides of 235. My blood pressure was 265 over 130. And I had a heart attack. Did quadruple bypass? I have a scar, right there, from there to there. Four holes in my belly where they put tubes in. Uh, four months ago tonight, I was in bad shape. They cut me in half, gutted me like a fish. It was terrible. It was the most painful thing I've ever been through in my life. But since that time, you know, in the middle of all that, and and I'll I'll talk a little bit about it. I I can't talk about it a whole lot because it's still pretty fresh. Um, but I tell you, in the middle, when I, was, when I was fighting and I had complications and I was unconscious and they stopped my heart for six hours and the whole nine yards, but in the middle of all that, the only verses that I could, I sat there and quoted verses to myself. I said them out loud. My wife was there, but then she left and I was all by myself all night. And all I did was quote the Lord's Prayer Psalm 23, and every healing verse I ever memorized, and that's a lot, okay? And I tell you what, that's what got me through. And, I, and we decided right away that I was going to have a supernatural recovery, that I was going to be better than ever before, that I was going to feel great, and I was going to run a 5K by July. Well, right now I'm only up to a half a mile yet, because they punctured my lungs a bunch of times to get uh, fluid off after the surgery, so I don't have a lot of wind yet but I'm working out every other day and running and trying to get my wind up, and we're going to run that 5K in July. Um, We're working on it, and I've lost 40 pounds, and I feel like a million bucks, and I said, why did it take $120,000 surgery and incredibly pain and all this to get my attention, so I stopped being a knucklehead and eating stupid? Uh, I don't know, but I'm just thankful I get a second chance, okay? Not everybody gets a second chance. A good friend of mine passed away three weeks after me, and he wasn't in nearly as bad a shape as I was. And he had a heart attack and he died. He was a good friend of mine, younger than me, in better shape than me, but he died. Sometimes I don't understand, I don't have an answer for you. All I know is if I'm here, that means God has a reason for me to be here. And I am excited about the chance to represent him to the world and to whoever will listen and I'm not going to back off. And we got a new, a new, uh, a new sense of urgency with uh, preaching the word and preaching the gospel. Because the reality is you only live once unless you have the incredible option and the incredible grace of being delivered like I was. And that I feel like I'm on my second life right now. Um, like I have this um, grace to be alive again, that I should have been dead. Could have very easily died. But I didn't, and I'm very grateful, and I'm very thankful for uh, his grace to me. Um, Sickness is a perversion of our immune system. But sickness is a perversion of the natural system that God placed in our body, and the destructive nature of sickness shows that it's from Satan because he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You You look at cancer cells... What does cancer do? It just eats and eats and destroys and does nothing good. There's nothing productive that cancer does. It's all bad. It's all destructive. It's from hell. That's all it is. God cannot give sickness. There is no sickness in heaven for him to give. He cannot give sickness. Jesus was sent, 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest, to destroy the works of the evil one. Jesus came to destroy sickness, not to give sickness. He never once made someone sick. He healed everyone that he met. Everyone that was willing, he healed. So, what are the causes of sickness? What are the causes? I tell you, sometimes, and this is not, we're not pointing fingers, this is just observations. Sometimes sickness can be caused, some sickness can be caused. By unforgiveness, If you have bitterness and you hate someone, right. it will literally cause your body to turn on itself. Um, unforgiveness and hatred is like acidic in your body and it will literally give you ulcers. It will give you all kinds, of, all kinds of negative situations in your body. If you, if you like hate people, it will literally turn against you. It's like a yeah, and, and it, it literally will destroy your body. And, and uh, there's times and situations where unforgiveness literally produces sickness, and if someone will, as an act of their will, forgive someone, healing comes. I've seen it happen, where they, they forgive and, and healing comes. It's not that God is withholding it, it's that you are preventing the healing power of God for, from coming because of the unforgiveness. What's another? Well, for me, my situation was self-inflicted. Now, granted, um, my gene pool that I uh, come from, um, there's a predisp- predisposition, if you want to call it that, toward heart disease with my father, my mother, diabetes. I mean, there's all that stuff in the background, but that's not really the reason that I had my issue. My, the reason I had my issue, because I ate dumb and didn't exercise, And does that mean I'm condemned? Oh, I'm such a bad person. No. It means you realize it and you change. That's all. There's no condemnation. I don't feel a lick of condemnation. Not a thing. I just go, wow. I didn't realize how dumb I was. (laughs) I didn't. And my wife used to tell me, honey, you need to lose weight. Leave me alone. That's what I always told her. Leave me alone. She goes, no, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm your wife. (laughs) Love her. But... She would always bug me and I wouldn't listen to her. And so, well, listen to her, dummy. (laughs) I'm going to tell you a little secret. The word for Holy Spirit and the word for wife are the same word. (laughs) The Septuagint. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, okay? It's called the Septuagint. And the word for I'm for God, when God said I'm going to make a helper suitable for Adam, that word helper is the same word when Jesus said, I'm going to send you, I'm going to go away and send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. It's the same word. Now, that does not mean that you are always right. Because just because they use the same word does not mean yet you are him. But you're like him. Okay. You are like him, though. Wives are like the Holy Spirit. They, uh, yeah, the Holy Spirit has a way of just reminding you of things, too. Just like your wife reminds you. It's not nagging, it's reminding. Okay? I learned that one, too. So. So diet, too much junk food, not enough exercise, all that stuff. That can bring on sickness. It can. Yes, it, can. it did for me. It caused, it caused all kinds of things. I was diagnosed uh, diabetic, and since I've lost the weight and changed exercise and did what, I am no longer diabetic. Okay, just like that, okay? now It's just a matter of fixing behavior and believe in God, but you've got to fix behavior too. You can't just believe God and eat sit and eat popcorn and watch movies all the time, okay? It's, it's, it's both, you gotta, you gotta do both. Ignoring nat- natural laws, if you, if, you just, if you ignore natural laws, if I run around without a coat and it's, you know, 35 degrees, um, I'm probably gonna get sick, it's just the way it is, because darn it, put a coat on, you know? <laughs> Don't tempt the Lord, <laughs> just put a coat on, okay? Um, so you can't just ignore natural laws and expect God to, To uh, protect you, if you have a coat available, put a coat on. If there's a situation where you can't possibly avoid it, God will protect you. But if you can avoid it, you should avoid it. You need to get get enough rest. I mean, you need to get get rest. Don't work yourself to death. Proverbs talks about that. You need to get exercise. Get some fresh air. Go outside and play once in a while. I mean, literally, go outside and play. I prefer golf, but anyway. but just getting fresh air and getting sunshine. It's vitamin D. It's good for you. you know, so um, all those things. I have a, but too much? Too much sun? What do you get? Yeah, I have a, somebody else, they, they did the old bake thing all the time, and now they got skin cancer. You know, so they have to get that off. And I said, well, okay, now repent. Stop laying out in the sun so much. You know, use heavy sunscreen. You know, put on some fake bake stuff if you need to. You know, whatever, go to get a spray tan. You don't get cancer from that. You can still look good. It don't matter. So sickness is not part of, our, of God's plan for your life. That's a, a thing that I want to get across so clear, that God wants us well. He wants you well. That's good news. He wants you well. You say, well, I'm not well right now. Well, he still wants you well. What do I do to get well? Well, keep coming back here is one thing. Eat right, exercise. Do whatever you know to do that's good and keep standing on the word. That's, I mean, that's, that's the best prescription that anyone can give you. God wants you healthy. 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. How clear do we have to make it? 3 John 2 is the absolute endorsement. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper And be in health, even as your soul prospers. God is good. He's a good God. He loves us so much. He says, if if nothing else, you walk out of here today, I want you to remember that God is good and the devil's bad, and don't get those two mixed up, okay? Um, the, The world keeps saying, well, that was an act of God, and, oh, God took that person and God did that. No. God is good and the devil's bad. And that's all there is to it. Um, it's God's will to heal. You know, Jesus never caused sickness. Jesus only healed sickness. In fact, for Jesus to cause sickness would have been counter... It would have been it was self-destructive. Because Matthew 12, 25 says that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Abraham Lincoln did not make that up. Jesus said that, Okay. Abraham Lincoln quoted it when he was talking about the civil war, but Matthew 12, 25 says, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So if he was referring to deliverance, because he had, he had delivered a man from an evil spirit, and the Pharisees had said to him, oh, he's delivering him by the power of Beelzebub. And that's when he said, hey, if, if I'm delivering by the power of Beelzebub and his kingdom is doomed because a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. But if I'm delivering by the finger of God, then the kingdom of heaven is upon you. See, and so he turned it right around on him. See, Jesus can't make you sick and then heal you in the same breath because that is, He's not does not have a, a Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde split personality. He is good all the time. It says, in fact, it says in James that that I am the Lord and I change not. He is not like the shifting shadows. He is constant. He never changes. So how do we respond to sickness? Number one, Luke ten nineteen says, all authority's been given unto you as believers, all authority, to tread upon all the power of the evil one, to tread upon s- snakes and stamp on vipers, that nothing shall by any means hurt you. So first of all, as a believer, you have authority over the power of the enemy. How do you have that authority? Through the name of Jesus and by submitting to his will for your life and by being under the covering of the blood of Jesus. That's how we have that authority. We don't have it just because, well, I'm so good, I have it. No, you have it because of the blood of Jesus and because you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony is your power. So how how does that work? What, what happens? We take that authority and we bind the power of the enemy. Matthew 18, it says, how can one enter a strong man's house unless he first bind that strong man? So how can you take authority? How can you overcome sickness in your life except you first recognize, number one, God's not doing this to me. It's God's will for me to be well. I have the authority to do something about it and Satan, you're under my feet. Now get out of my house, okay? That's the progression. But see, if you don't believe it, it's like, a, it's like the devil's like a dog. If you're scared of him, he ain't leaving. Okay, you ever been around a dog and you're scared and he knows you're scared? I have. Big old German shepherd used to be my neighbor. I used to run. He used to come after me when I was running when I was a kid. And I was scared of that dog. I'd be, I'd be running and I'm like, is that dog out, you know? wonder if he's out, and I'd run past his house, and I'd be running after me. One day, I turned around, I grabbed a big stone, and I went, <laughs> threw it at him, popped him in the face. He never chased me again. Popped him in the face with a rock. A stupid dog going to chase me, I'm going to hit him with a rock. I finally turned around, stood up to him, and hit him with a rock. That dog never chased me again. He'd come out, I'd look at him and go, he'd back right down, right? Why? because he didn't want to get hit in the face with a rock again. So next time a devil shows up, you need to, don't run away from him, stop, grab the word and smack him upside the head with a word. And next time he comes around, you go like this and he'll run away because he doesn't want to get hit upside the head with a word, right? Just like that dog didn't want to get hit with that rock. He literally, now will he run away first time? Maybe, maybe not. But you know what? You keep whacking on him with a word long enough, he'll go away. And that's the, that is the bottom line. You have authority. So when I say you can do something about it, that's what I'm talking about. You can do something about it. You're not a victim. You are not a victim. Victims get eaten. Victims run away and get bitten the backside by the dog, okay? That's what victims do. I had a friend of mine, an older guy, he ran away from that dog. That dog literally chomped him right in the rear end. So that was my inspiration to turn around and throw a rock at him. I said, you ain't going to get a piece of me, right? (laughs) See, you can be a victim and get bit in the rear end by running away, or you can take authority, turn around and take the word and chuck it at the enemy. So we got to focus on the word of God and not just on our situation. How do we focus on the word of God? We put the word as the forefront. We put it right in front of our eyes all the time. When I was going through that thing with recovering from this, I, I had never been through anything like this personally. I'd, I've been working with people who are in traumatic situations for, for 25 years, but I've never gone through it myself. I mean, I've been with so many people with surgeries. I've been with people when they died. I've been with the people when God raised them from the dead. I've been with people in crazy situations, but I've never been in a situation where it was, I was the one that was in excruciating pain. That was a learning experience for me. Um, And the one thing I had to do is I had to keep the word in front of me all the time, and I could not consider anything but the word. Because as soon as I started considering my my circumstance, things got worse. It's like Peter. When Peter was walking on the water, as soon as he, as, when he looked at Jesus, he was fine. But as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, and it says, and he saw the wind and the waves, and he saw the, the tumultuous seas, he began to sink. Focus is the issue. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We've got to keep our eyes on him. You keep your eyes on Jesus, not on your circumstances. Instead of telling God how big your, circ, how big your mountain is, tell your mountain how big your God is. Okay? Start talking to it. I'd literally talk to my body all the time. While I was recovering, I was talking to my body. You mend up. You do the right thing. You hold. You stitches, whatever you are, whatever's holding my heart together, you better hold. You know. Just why? Because I had to exercise my faith. I couldn't just think about how much pain I was in all the time. Because the pain meds made me so sick, I couldn't think straight. I couldn't function. So I went off pain meds the day I got home from the hospital, which the doctor said, you were not going to be able to function. I said, I, I can't function now with these crazy narcotics in my body. So I quit them all. And uh, he said, you're, you, you don't know what you're doing. I said, I know exactly what I'm doing. I can't function with these narcotics in my body because I couldn't think straight. I was getting like hallucinations and garbage. I was like, this is crazy. I feel like I'm on some kind of whacked out trip or something. So I just said, I'm done with those things. I just stopped taking them. And um, so I was not a lot of pain. But it was better than the side effects of all the narcotics they had me on. So I had to really keep focused for me to stay um, out of excruciating pain. I had to keep focused. It was a good way for me to stay focused. So I had to really stay focused on, on the Word and on God or else I would have gone right back into um, so much pain that you just want to get knocked out again because that's what they were doing for a while they were just knocking me out every few hours and there's no future in that you know <laughs> not long term so where does faith come from how in the world do you get faith Romans 10:17 write it down think memorize it read it post it on your refrigerator Romans 10:17 now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God now faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, the breakdown of Romans ten seventeen is really, really cool. If you go back to the Greek, the breakdown of Romans 10, 17 says, Now faith comes by hearing, not having heard. It's a present progressive tense in the Greek. Present progressive means it's happening, and it's continuing to happen. Okay, so it's present progressive. It's not past where it used to happen. It's present progressive. So you gotta start there. Faith comes by hearing, not having heard. Okay, you get get the difference? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now here, word there, the word word, you know, the the actual word, W-O-R-D, it comes from the Greek word, Y'all know what Logos is? Logos is the written word of God. Y'all know what the Spirit-inspired living word of God, what that word is? Anybody know what that is? It's called the rhema. Yes, R-H-E-M-A. That is the Spirit-inspired living word of God. And then of God, the word G-O-D there, that particular word, word in the greek says the anointed one and his anointing it's christos which means the anointed one and his anointing so if we do the correct right from the original language translation of that word of that verse it's even cooler it says now faith comes from hearing not just having heard and hearing the rhema which is their living breathing anointed word of God of the anointed one in his anointing. So what does that say? Faith comes by hearing, not having heard, the living, spoken word of God, enlivened by the Holy Spirit in your heart, because that's what rhema is. Rhema is the logos, the written word, that's been energized by the Holy Spirit within your heart, and it's living to you. Okay, that's what Rhema means. It's a living word. It's been brought alive by the Holy Spirit in your life. Y'all ever been reading the Bible and all of a sudden you go, oh, you ever been ever done that? If you've never done that, you need to read your Bible more. Okay? <laughs> because if you do read your Bible very much, you're gonna, you're gonna look at your Bible one day and go, oh, that you just said a Rhema right there. When you go, aha, that's a Rhema. Okay, that's when the Holy Spirit brings to life or energizes a word out of the Bible or a truth out of the Bible. So Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing the rhema of Christos. And it's the living spirit energized words of the anointed one, Jesus and his anointing. So where does faith come from? It comes from getting a word that just explodes on the inside of you. How do you ever get that, though? How do you get a word that explodes on the inside of you? Here's how. Put a lot of word in, and the Holy Ghost will bring it to life. It's that simple. Okay? Faith comes, but, but you've got to put it in. See, faith does not come by watching movies, unless it's maybe like War Room, because that's a cool movie. So if you haven't seen War Room, watch War Room. It's a great movie. Um because that will build your faith. But typically, faith doesn't come by watching TV. Faith doesn't come by watching anything. Faith comes by reading and hearing God's Word. That's where faith comes from. But the Holy Spirit brings that to life on the inside of us, and that's when faith comes. And without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. So we just, that's how we build our faith. We build our faith by putting the word in, put the word in, put the word in, and put the word in, and keep putting the word in. We're out of time. Um, We've got to focus on the word of God, not just our situation. You know, um, Abraham, when God told him he was going to be the father of many nations, he didn't even have a, one child. But yet God says, you're going to be the father of many nations. Now that does not compute. You look at that and you go, "How's that going to work?" I don 't even have any I'm not, I'm. at the time he was 75 years old when he got that promise. he was 75, his wife was 65, and they were both game over, right And he says're to you're going to be the father of many nations, not just one kid, many nations. And he considered not his own body dead, it says in Romans chapter four, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb, which means he was was no longer a productive member of the child-producing family, okay? Trying to be appropriate there. And she was no longer uh, uh, able to bear children. He did not consider his own body dead nor the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he considered what? Him faithful who had promised. See, that's the key. So when, you, when you're dealing with symptoms in your body, we have, to cons- we have to consider not the symptoms, but we have to consider him faithful who promised, just like our father in the faith, Abraham. Okay? That's a simple application of how to start this whole process. You don't, you don't deny, this, you don't deny the, the facts that are there. You simply say, he did not, he did not consider... He didn't deny the fact that he was dead and Sarah's womb was dead. He didn't deny it. He'd say, I am not dead. No, he, just, he didn't deny it, but he didn't consider it. Okay? So when you're in a situation like this where you have to look at your situation and it looks one way, but you want it to be the other way, and God's word is clear that it can be the other way, you have to consider not your own situation or your own circumstances, but you have to consider him who promised to be faithful, and stand on that instead of considering that. It's no different than Peter walking on the water. Jesus said, come. He started walking on the water, but as soon as he looked at the other, he considered the other things. What happened? He sank. See, faith comes by hearing, but doubt comes by hearing, too. See, they both come by hearing, but doubt comes by hearing about your circumstances, and faith comes by hearing about God, hearing God's promises and meditating on God's promises. So you have got to be careful, oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear, and what you consider, because you, you, have, to, um, you have to reject um, a lot of things that are out there when you're going to believe God for something that is in the natural impossible. We had to really reject to, for my dad, we had to we were nice about it, but we had to reject what the doctors were saying, and we had to stand anyway, OK? When, when we've been through so many of these, it's, I, I wish I had had an easier life, but this makes for a better, better message. We've had so many situations where we have had to just trust God in the middle of impossible situations, my wife and I. And, um, but you know what? We've seen God do some pretty amazing things. And um, God is faithful, and he's never let us down. Let's pray before we release you. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. We ask, Father, that you would uh, put a seal over each of our hearts, that the enemy would not come and take away the good seed that's been sown. And, Father, that our hearts would be good ground, that they would uh, be fertile soil for your word. And that, Father, that faith is uh, being grown in each of our hearts, that uh, we are believers and not doubters. We trust your word. We consider not the circumstances. We consider you, who promised to be faithful. We love you, Father. We thank you that you have a great plan for each and every one of us and that, Father, as we seek you, you'll reveal it and that you'll cause us to walk on level paths and have straight, straight paths for our feet to walk on, that you open doors that no man can close and that, Father, that your favor surrounds us like a shield. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.